Hello, Jackets. Welcome to this edition of Yellow Jacket Voices. Today we are talking to one of our pre-K teachers with some wise words for parents as the school year starts. Welcome. Hello, my name is Lisa Whitwell. I am a pre-K teacher at Westfall. This is my 21st year, so I've got a few years behind me. I teach pre-K all day, and then I am an adjunct professor. At night, I teach educational psychology, child and adolescent psych, and exceptional child. During the summer, I teach for great expectations. I'm an instructor and do professional development for teachers and for school support staff. So I am a teacher at heart, and I teach year-round because I love teaching, and I love watching students learn. Wow, that's an impressive resume. CMP Schools is really fortunate to have you. So as we start the new year, what words of advice do you have for parents or guardians of littles starting into pre-K? In a pre-K classroom, the first thing I would say, the very first gift that you can give your child is to make sure that you're reading to them. There is an initiative for a thousand books before kindergarten with the um, public library system. And that allows your student to be able to understand comprehension, to build their vocabulary, just to be able to sit in your lap and listen to a book, to hear a book, to reread a book to you. And so the very number one thing gift I would say that you could give your child is to always read to them. Reading 20 minutes a night with your child um, gives them the gift of a year. If you do not read 20 minutes a, a year, a night to uh, your child, then by sixth grade, they've lost a almost a year of just being able to hear you, being able to build vocabulary, being able to learn. So the number one gift would be that you are going to read to your child and you're going to expose them to literature. When your child comes to pre-K, we want to make sure that they um, understand that they are learning, that this is for a lifetime. What's going to happen is that like some will cry the first couple of days and because they're missing you, they they, I mean, this is the first time that they left you and you've always said, don't go with strangers, don't talk with strangers. And all of a sudden you just put them out of the car and give them to strangers and say, here, have a great day. We build that up. We build up that first day. We get our first, our new backpack. We get our new clothes. We get the bow we're going to wear. We get the new shoes. We get everything ready for the first day. And then that morning rarely goes as we had planned. So people are on edge. They're kind of on fight or flight because number one, the child is being put into a situation they've never been in before. You as a parent are fight or flight or shut down because you're dropping your baby off for the first time and they're growing up. And so you're fight or flight. And I'll give you a secret. Teachers are on fight or flight because none of us slept the night before because it's the first day of school. (laughs) And so we have all three populations on fight, flight, or shut down. And so we may not be on our best um, for that morning. I mean, we want to be on our best, but things are just going to happen. And so it, it it's not as good as we would want because we've built up to it. And then st- the line's too long at the donut place or the line's too long in the pickup line. So think about things that you're going to do in the car to kind of change your mindset. Um, maybe you get a bubble gun. Maybe you have something special in the car or there's a present and they know that they get it when you pick them up. Something to change that mindset because we all are going to be on edge that 
morning. Now, the other thing is that we have students that don't cry and they're big and brave up until Labor Day. And that Tuesday after Labor Day, they bawl. Well, that's because you never told them this was for the rest of their life. They thought it was just like a two-week <laughs> vacation. And then all of a sudden, this is the rest of their life. They're in school. So our students, you, you're going to have that. Another thing to think about is when they get back in the car after you pick them up, you're going to ask them, what did you learn today? The answer is nothing. What did you do today? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> what did you eat for a snack today? I don't know. So as a parent, you get to listen to when they're playing, when they're um, in the bathtub, just nonchalantly listening to them, and you will hear them start singing their color songs. You will hear them start counting. You will hear them start mimicking the teacher. So then you'll know what they learned. But I promise you, when you ask them what they learned today, their answer is nothing. <laughs> Make sure that your child has some independence. They know how to open a box of, of chips or a, a bag of chips. They know how to open up their candy bar. They know how to open up their juice. Um, they know how to put their socks on. Flip-flops are not a great um, shoe because you play with the flip-flop. There's stickers on the playground, so then you get stickers. or you, They're not good for running, so flip-flops are not the best of shoes for school, especially if you're getting to go outside and play. Your child loves the cute outfits, but if they cannot rehook the suspenders on an overalls, if they cannot, um, if they're in a jumpsuit like a little girl, when they go to the bathroom, then they have to take all of that off to be able to go to the bathroom. And so those are awkward situations for your child. So make sure that the clothes that you choose for your child are are, are clothes friendly, that it's okay to get them messed up because we're going to get messy. We, we use dry erase markers. We use paints. We use, we use pens. We use pencils. Um, it is okay to get messy because we're kids. And so our clothes need to be appropriate for that. Now, and I, don't, I don't think we think about that when we're <laughs> dressing them. We just want them to look cute. And you do. Oh, yeah. the, the big bows, like that's great. But if the big bows keep falling out of their hair, then somebody gets to keep putting it back in. Or if they're running, then the big bow gets in a way. And so we do want them, we want them to look cute, but make sure they're kind of a child, it's a child-friendly outfit. And that they're comfortable. And that they're very, very comfortable. New shoes, high heels, the princess shoes. I mean, they look really cute, but they get really awkward on the playground or all day. So um, child-friendly clothes, something that they're comfortable in is best. Picture day is totally different. We all know we're dressed up for picture day and, and we respect that. Don't use dry erase markers, but <laughs> other days, just let your child be comfortable for sure. Backpacks are the same thing. The child needs to be able to put their backpack on their back and take their backpack off. They need to know how to zip it and unzip it. Now, your child can get their homework folder out, can get their library book out, because I promise you, they know how to sneak a toy out of the house and put it in their backpack. <laughs> and so they they know how to work it. They're playing you on that. But um, make sure that they can work their backpack, like practice putting it on and taking it off a few times so that they're comfortable doing that because teachers... Um, a teacher's not going to stand and take backpacks off and hang them in their cubbies every time. We want your child to be independent with that. Don't worry about tying shoes. We can tie shoes. Um, but our children need to know how to put socks back on and how to put their shoes back on. So all of that needs to be just child comfort, child friendly. Um, we, we want them to look cute, but at the same time, your child needs to be comfortable with that. 
what kind of communication are you going to do with the parents throughout the year so that they know when picture day is and that kind of thing? In our pre-K, I'm still old-fashioned enough to send home a newsletter. And so every Thursday in the Thursday folder, there is a newsletter. There is also, I, I try to send an email out on Sunday that has a Google slide with a homework attached to it. And so you get homework on Monday, which is a paper homework, and you and your child can work on that. But on Sunday, you're going to get a Google slide. And if you click on each one of the pictures, you will... um have the freedom to be able to go to the books that we're going to have that week. You're going to have like an ABC song. You're going to have a counting song. You're going to have our color song. And so that is another opportunity to work with your child. Make sure you put those books on the reading log. If your child's listening to those books, put those in the reading log. As our homework, we make sure that we want our child our children to read 50 books per nine weeks. Now, ideally, we want them a 1,000 by kindergarten, but I know that that's a large number. So 50 books per nine weeks, we want you to log those in their reading log. And it's okay to re-log and re-log books because if your child um, knows their color words, then they've read their color word book three and four times to you. And so go ahead and re-log those because that's reading. Another option with reading is environmental reading. We, our child, children say, we can't read. We don't know how to read. And I promise you, there's not a two-year-old that cannot read McDonald's when you go by the arches, that can read Walmart when we go by that, that can go by, read by Target. And even more distinctly, you can go to the grocery store and they can read all the names of the chips, the names of the cookies, the names of the pop, the names of the juices. In the um, gas station, they can read the names of the candy bars. And so we want to always be... Um, making the student aware of print and that they can read. So they'll say, I can't read, but if you've read to them and you ask them, so what does that sign say, that red sign right there? And they'll say, stop. And you say, you read that. So our students are born readers if we just help them realize that. Wow. Environmental reading. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. I didn't give that any thought before. So we want to make sure we're doing that. The same with numbers. So we're counting. So how many, how many bites did we take? How many spoonfuls of um, sugar did I put in your cereal? I'm not put in your cereal before you come to pre-K, but you understand. So you're always, <laughs> you're always counting. How many times, how many times, um, did I brush your hair? Did you brush your teeth? So we want to make sure that we're just helping them be aware that numbers are, are in our environment as well, on the clock, on the radio, on digital clocks. And so we can start noticing again that that number goes with a name. Just make it a day-to-day. It's a day-to-day -day game. Thing. Yes. Wow. Write your name on the, we don't want to write pencil and paper so much because developmentally we're not there yet, but we can write on the shower door. We can write with soap in the bathtub. We can write with sand. We can write with a wet, just a paintbrush that's in water on the um, driveway, on the sidewalk. We don't want to, we don't want our students think it's okay to write on walls, but we can write. There are lots of ways to write in salt, in sand, in flour, in um, powdered sugar. So lots and lots of ways to write without our student really thinking that they're writing with a pencil and paper. We want to start working on grip. We want to maybe break the crown or the pencil in half so it's very short because then that forces the grip that is a correct grip. It's really hard for a little guy to balance that long pencil in their hand, and so that's why they chunk it. But if you break it in half, then it automatically forces the grip to be correct. Wow. And I never, so, never realized that. That's interesting. Another idea. 
Yeah, very cool. Play-Doh, making sure that you can make snakes with Play-Doh. That's building up that fine motor skill in their hands. And so get the Play-Doh and just get them to roll snakes, get them to roll balls, get them to flatten it out. That is... um one way to work on fine motor grip, another is pinching. So we're moving beans from, from an egg carton to a different place. We're moving cotton balls. We're moving anything where your child is pinching something and moving it. Let them play with paper clips. Let them play with um, tweezers. Let them play with the um, tongs in your kitchen. Any of those things where they're pinching because you're building that fine motor grip because we don't climb as much. And so those muscles are not as developed as we would want them to be for riding. Interesting. Very good. One thing that we want to make sure that always is in our students' backpacks so they'll have their homework in there. But it is okay, number one, if they have a blanket or a favorite toy, it's okay for that to stay in their backpack just to be there for like a comfort, like that they know that's there and it's just their part from home. Or you might even just put like a cotton ball that smells like you, spray it with perfume and put it in there so that they know that there's a part of you with them in their backpack at school. It's not something they're going to pull out. But it's something that's there just for comfort. We we all have that in our purse or, we, you know, we have things, we have charms, we have something that we hold on to. And so as a child, there's not anything wrong with that. It's probably the, a really good way to reinforce if they have separation anxiety and you know your child doesn't deal well with that. That's, that's So it, it is really okay important. to put, well, I mean, we wouldn't want a pacifier in there, but... Right. Um, but a blankie or, or some stuffed toy that's just going to always say, you know, mom loves you and mom's right here with you all the time. It's just down in there. And, and that is fine. We, even as adults, we have those things we hold on to. Yeah. We want to make sure that there is a change of clothes in there and that your child, it, um, make sure it's not a clothes that they would rather have on than what is on their bodies at the time. Cause there are students like, I, I, I kind of had an accident. I want to change them. It's only because they like the clothes in the backpack better than what they have on. <laughs> but we do want to make sure that they have a change of clothes because we're all going to have accidents. We get to playing. We hurry. We, oh, man, I'm too late. I didn't make it to the restroom. We want our students to be able to change and clean up themselves. So they'll just go to the restroom, change their clothes, put, and we'll give them a Ziploc bag, bag to put their messed up clothes in. Make sure that those, you check those clothes and they're seasonally appropriate. It's really easy to put them in there in August and put shorts and a t-shirt, and then they don't have an accident till December, and then all they have is shorts and a t-shirt rather than having a sweatshirt and sweatpants. So we just want to have some clothes in there, like socks and underwear and pants and maybe even a shirt that a student can change into, and it's it's clothes that a student is comfortable changing into if there's an accident, and tell them that that's in their backpack. It's just that they have an accident. You know they're probably not going to, but if they do, it's no big deal. They'll just change and keep on going with life. Not a problem. I understand that students will be learning colors and letters, things like that. But you also work on developing emotional life skills and self-discipline, just how to be a good citizen or a good friend. Isn't that right? We may be the first time your child has ever heard no. It would be helpful for uh, me as a teacher that this your te- your child understands discipline. Now, not punishment. Punishment is putting a thumb on someone and saying, you can't, you shouldn't. Um, it's negative. Discipline is learning. This is, this was not a really good decision. I will 
do better tomorrow. Every day is a new day. We want our students to understand there are consequences to bad behaviors. There's consequences to bad decisions. We all make bad decisions and there's consequences from it. And so we don't want to cover that up. We want to learn from that. A brain that doesn't make a mistake is not working. Our brain, the, the dendrites, everything is, everything is firing when we make a mistake because we are learning from that. So we want our students to understand consequences. It may be that I just say, would you go sit in a blue chair or a green chair until you're ready to come back to the rug? We want you to be able to sit crisscross applesauce. We want you to keep your hands to yourself. We need you to be able to use your words and not your hands. We want students, when they say, I'm sorry, to understand what they're sorry for, because sorry means it denotes that you're going to fix it, that you're not going to do it again. Sorry also means that you want to be able to tell your friend how I can fix this by cleaning your paper, getting you a new paper because I wrote on your paper, giving you a Band-Aid because I pushed you down. I'm sorry. um, How can I fix that for you? And so we want children to not just have the habit of saying sorry and blowing it off. We want them to understand that sorry means I'm going to fix that behavior and I'm going to help you be better. We know that name calling, um, using sarcasm is not appropriate. And so sometimes we get to learn that. Our students model and they verbalize what they've heard at home. And so if there are words that you use at home that your child might need not need to use in public. We want to check that out and let them know that this is home language. This is not school language, because I promise children, they tell us a lot and they verbalize what they've heard at home. So those are things. In our class, you might have a sucker, but you're expected to sit and eat that sucker because I want you to be safe. If you're up running around, then the sucker is going to go in the trash can. There's not two or three warnings because I really need you to be safe. And so those are things that we need students to be able to to work on the first time. We want don't need two or three warnings. And that's a safety issue. If we were to have a fire, if we were to have... Um, Uh, be an an intruder in our school. We need the child to move the first time. We don't have the time to wait to second or third or fourth warning. We've got to, we want them to move the first time. And so if we just practice that on the playground, the whistle goes once, it's just listen and see what I'm going to tell you. It blows three times. You better move like lightning and come line up whether we're just going home or whether there is a danger. We want students to understand that it's very important that to listen to what an adult says and to follow through with that. And so first time, not the third or fourth warning, if you could help with that, that would be awesome. And also just so there's consequences to our behavior. We want to love our children enough that um, they get caught the first time. And so the trouble doesn't start spiraling down. We just, we love them enough to let them have consequences because that's going to help them to be um, better citizens and to grow up to be amazing adults. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us about the pre-K experience. You gave us a lot of great information and I hope to help some parents gain a better understanding of how to prepare and what to expect as their littles head off to pre-K. And I would I would say that when you bring your child on the first day, I know, I know it's so hard. And I don't mean to sound cruel, but you really just need to leave your child at the door and walk away. We will entertain. We will have them learning. It's two and a half hours right now. It's just the length of one movie. If you linger and you stay at the door crying, then it causes your child's heart to kind of break. And so 
it's so important that you just leave your child with us. Trust me. Um, trust us at, at our school. Trust any teacher at their school and just walk away and then wait until the end of the day. Make sure that you choose your battles. The year goes so quickly and they will be in kindergarten. Choose your battles. Make sure that you are present. The biggest gift besides reading is that you can give is your time and your presence. So if there is a party, if there is anything that your child needs you there for, make sure that you are there or they have a friend there. Every time there's a party, every individual child looks at the door waiting to see who is coming for them. So you, I understand, single mom, you can't work. Both of you are working. You have a friend that can show up for your child for the party. It's their special person. So if you um, can do that, that would be great. The other thing is that in our class, we do have a handle with care note. If something happens, the dog dies, you, your, your house flooded, the toilet ran over. If you, anything, if you just put that on their backpack handle with care, then we know that it's going to be a different day for your child. And we know they didn't sleep well. We know that um, something happened. And so that just gives us a heads up. We're not asking for the details, but it just helps us know that your child is going to be in a different frame of mind for school today. Again, choose your battles and it goes so fast. It's August, but it's going to be May in a blink of an eye. Enjoy every second of this year. It's the best. Thank you again, Mrs. Whitwell. And thank you, Yellow Jacket family, for tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to Yellow Jacket Voices wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk to you later and have a great Yellow Jacket day.